Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. For our final episode of 2021, I figured it appropriate to provide kind of an all-encompassing look at the VSGA, and who better to offer that than our executive director, Matt Smiley. Many listeners have actually asked for a conversation with Matt over the course of the year, and I'm happy to provide that for you now. Sorry that it's actually the last, though, of the year. That being said, we actually had this conversation back in the fall as we were getting ready for the 100-hole hike at the Hollows to raise money for youth on course here in Virginia. The hike ended up raising about $55,000 to support youth on course here in Virginia, all thanks to our hikers and the folks who generously donated to their campaigns. So you will hear a little 100-hole hike convo in there, which, again, took place before the hike. Quick shout-out to our 100-hole hike sponsors, Adams Performance, Cutter & Buck, Forecraft Cocktails, Golfdom, Srixon, and Turtleson. During the hike, Matt was actually the only hiker to have found his way around the course playing with each of the other 11 hikers at the Hollows which gave him an opportunity to hear so much more great stories about how these folks got involved with the game and what brought them out to support this initiative of raising money for youth on course here in Virginia. So without further delay, here's my conversation with the VSGA Executive Director, Matt Smiley. Three, two, one. Matt Smiley. In the flesh, thank you for joining us on Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. Not that you didn't know that this was was going on or what's going on, but amazing to have you here. Tell people who you are. I Most people probably know who you are and know what you do, but who are you? What do you do? So I'm Matt Smiley, Executive Director of the Virginia State Golf Association, fan of the pod. Been listening to it since it started. I've listened to every, every episode. I appreciate you taking the lead on this, Matt. It's been something... Great to add uh, to the VSGA's repertoire this year, just staying connected with golf around the Commonwealth. So appreciate what you've done with the podcast. So um, I'd say some people um, that are familiar with the VSGA know me. Maybe some people don't. Been with the VSGA now for almost 20 years. Um, I'm uh, Virginia through and through. So um, my dad's family is originally from South Hill and lots of smileys still in South Hill. I was born in Danville, Virginia, lived there till I was seven, and then moved over to Withville, which is where uh, I lived until I went off to college. My parents still live in Withville, the hub of Southwest mm-hmm. Virginia. Um, so I went to college at William & Mary and interned with the VSJ while I was in school there and have been with the VSJ ever since. Only job you've ever had? The only job I've ever had, other than high, sc- high school jobs, but the only real job I've ever had has been with the VSGA and just fortunate um, to be able to say that uh, a lot of good timing and right place, right time to stay with the VSGA this long. And I'm just thankful for all, for all the opportunities I've had and still have, uh, with the VSGA and just to support golf. Anyone who's had the opportunity to work with you probably knows that you're a well-rounded individual and could be doing a lot of probably very different things. How is it that golf is what you do how did you get started in golf as a as a child or or as a teenager whenever it was so um i started young my dad was not a golfer growing up where he grew up there were not really golf courses around he was a baseball player football player and he went to virginia tech to play baseball and unfortunately got injured and wasn't able to play so he kind of picked up golf when he was in college 
So from a young age, I think I was three when I first played golf at Ringgold Golf Club in Danville, Virginia, which unfortunately I heard recently has closed down. But first played at Ringgold when I was three years old and kind of was around the game from there forward. And, um, you know, for a few years there, I was playing lots of other sports, playing basketball a lot and baseball and a little football here and there. Um, and still would be around golf, but it was never really my thing. And I would say um, late middle school, early high school, you know, I kind of sized up my athletic prowess. And I, I, think, it, I think it matched up with golf better than, than other sports, if you know what I'm saying. So um, really dove all in on golf, probably 14 years old. And, um, you know, showing up at Withful Golf Club, playing 36 holes a day or playing 18 and then working in, working in the cart barn and we just lived at the golf course those last few years of, of high school and got pretty good and I was able to um, play on the golf team at William & Mary and continued coming home in the summers and working at Withville Golf Club and worked my way up to the pro shop and then um, so fortunate also to get a scholarship from the VSGA so I was kind of in the loop with uh, things going on with the VSGA I played in junior events growing up or the tried to qualify for the junior championship growing up and um, got the scholarship. So I would get mailings from the VSGA. So I got a mailing about about the internship with the VSGA. And at that point, I think I had realized I didn't have a future playing golf. Um, I really enjoyed working at a golf course. I found that the tournament days where most of the folks working at the golf course were complaining about having to wake up so early and every all the players are complaining about something and just didn't like those days I loved those days uh-huh. like I loved getting up early I loved seeing an event through from beginning to end remembering what someone shot or a score you know a story about someone and talking to them about it the next day I love those days and I thought well maybe, maybe there's something to this so I applied with for the internship with the VSGA and was able to get that internship working. Um, at the time, it was a, a women's division internship. So came to the VSGA in the summer of, of 01 as an intern, worked closely with um, Gene Nichols and Rose Marr. Uh, David Norman at the time was the executive director um, and, and traveled around that summer to all the women's events and immediately fell in love with event administration that was that was you know, focused on golf is really what it is. You know, it's just event management like any other type of event, but it's focused around the game that I love, which mm-hmm. was golf. So I love the detail side of things and the, really learned a lot about what happened before an event on the course. That was my first experience marking the golf course, picking the whole location, setting the tees, all of those type things, and, and really loved it. So um, went back to, for my senior year of college and um, – kind of stayed in touch with the folks at the VSGA and then was able to come on staff when I graduated and started off running the, the VSGA women's events, so exclusively women's championships and events for um, summer of 02 through um, 05. And then in 06, uh, Richard Smith, who many folks know was our director of championships, uh, he was kind of starting to phase out. And, you know, Richard you know, people called him grumpy, so it was kind of funny. It was grumpy and smiley, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Richard hadn't really talked to me much. It was kind of like Richard ran the men's events and Matt ran the women's events. And then when Jamie Conkling started in 2006 as our executive director, unbeknownst to me, Richard went to him in his first week there and said, I'm going to retire in a couple of years, and Matt's the person that should take my job. Well, 
you know, Richard and I really didn't have a deep relationship at that point because we were kind of going our separate ways. So it was just so flattering for him to have been paying attention to what I was doing without me really even knowing it. Mm-hmm. So fortunately for me, Jamie took his advice. And a couple of years there, I traveled with Richard um, to, to all the men's events, kind of learning the ropes around those while still running our women's championships. And that's when Kent Holbar came into the fold, as you talked with him. Uh, 06 was around the time that he came into the fold, and um, he kind of fit into that puzzle as well. And Josh Coates was an intern in 06 and 07, so he was kind of coming into the fold. So everything really kind of fell into place for for me to take over in 08 as director of championships. And and Kent came on board, and and Josh came on board in 08 when he graduated from college. So um, timing worked out great and and oversaw the tournaments from 08 through 18, and work closely, you know, with Jamie as executive director. And then when he, when he um, moved on or retired at the end of, of 2018, he had kind of tapped me uh, as the next person in line. There was a process with the board uh, to determine the next executive director. And again, a lot of right place, right time. Maybe a little bit of, of taking advantage of of that situation and being and and kind of doing doing the best I could do to prove what I brought to the table and. and here I am as executive director. So mm-hmm. it's been, again, I say all the time, very fortunate, great timing, um, great people I've been able to work with. And, and I just, every day I'm, I'm glad to have this job. I know that, that so many people would, would love to have this opportunity to work in the game of golf and, and meet the people and, and, and be able to feed people's passion every day. So um, th- that's kind of my story of how I got here. You mentioned you mentioned your athletic prowess and, and, and realizing that maybe your talents lied within golf. I asked that question to a lot of people, like, how did you know that it was golf was your thing? And I've never really asked that to myself. And I asked that to my father one time and I said, what, what do you think it was for me that it was golf? He said, well, you were a good fielder, but you couldn't hit. And I said, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. I, it's just that I'm slow. I could hit, but I was just slow, but it was golf that at that time was, I was seeing more, like success and more growth that kind of got me out of baseball and into golf. But it was around that time also that you mentioned the internship as well in the PJ Boatwright internship, which you had had. And we have what, five or six people on staff who had been interns with us. How valuable and important is that, is that program? And for, not just for us, but for other golf associations. Certainly it's, if you talk to the, to the allied golf association community, like the VSGA, we're, we're the allied golf association here in Virginia, there's 59 around the country it's it's a hugely impactful initiative that the USGA has put forth. Um, one of the most impactful for our community. Um, personally, it's been life-changing for me, obvious, for obvious reasons, um, but for the, for the VSGA and other AGAs, I think it's fair to say, um, if you look at the percent of the staff members, we have six out of 13 staff members that were PGA Boatwright interns. Mm-hmm. Um, that percentage is maybe a little higher than nationwide, but certainly, um, lots of association staff members got their start with the, the grant that the USGA provides the state golf associations for the PGA Boatwright program. Um, and even not just the ones who are on staff, but think about, and you've seen it now being with us a couple of years, uh, how important the interns are each and every year yeah. and what they provide um, to the association and the members and the member clubs. It just, it impacts every single day our business operations. Yeah, certainly. Talk a little bit about the VSGA in general and how it's changed from the time that you've been here to where we are now. I mean, one of the significant things that you've 
referenced was the women's division, which is obviously now part of the VSGA and some of those changes. But what are some of the other changes that you've seen, whether it's within the organization or within the events? We're now we're at a place where in, in 2021, we're going to hold our second net amateur. And there's so there's new events and new offerings for people. But what what changes have you seen? Wow. <laughs> a, lot, a lot. I mean, when I started with the VSGA, I, I, I think I had a cell phone. Maybe I had a cell phone, right? Um, just thinking back um, how just obviously the world has changed and, and technology has, has changed the way we all live our lives. But, you know, we didn't take our first online entry until 2009. And now we don't take any paper entries. Um talking uh, listen to your podcast with Kent the other day that junior golf specifically uh, so much has changed and up until you know through 2007 if a junior parent or a junior golfer called the VSGA and said hey I've got a junior golfer and uh, want to get involved with the VSGA what what opportunities do you have well it was we have a junior boys match play and a junior boys stroke play championship and we have a junior girls stroke play championship that was it uh-huh um, the junior golf club, which is now the junior golf circuit, completely changed um, our touch point with the uh, less competitive golfers. We, we got to the junior golfers earlier in their golf journey than we ever could before. And youth on course, which I know we'll talk about, is, is a next step even closer to that first time that they get a club in their hands. So junior golf is a huge change. Uh, our one-day program has grown by leaps and bounds. We were fortunate to have started that program in the 90s, one of the first in the country, maybe the first in the country to have a kind of uh, non-competitive or mildly competitive uh, members outing type uh, mm-hmm. event. Um, but even just looking back in the last 15 years, we've grown from probably having 60 or 70 events to now we have 80, 90, and we've had years where we've had 100 events. And to me, that is a great uh, program for our members. It's really a, it's a membership program. Lots of people join the association because they want to play in one-day events. Um, so the one-day program has been huge. Um, the women's division, that, that's, as you mentioned, a big change. We had a, a separate women's division, board of directors um, for years and separate bank account. And, and we op- operated, the VSGA and the women's division operated side by side, obviously, as, as I was an employee of the VSGA, but I was really reporting to the women's division board for those first few years on staff. Um, but really just creating those economies of scale and able to, able to I feel like we're able to do more for women's golf by merging the two entities. We have better representation on the board with with, um, four female board members and um, just the funds to back everything we do for women's golf without having to worry about uh, the tournaments supporting themselves, which was kind of how it was with uh, the women's division. Um, There's so much more. So much more that's changed. Um, And I'll say this. Staff-wise, we're very fortunate to have the size staff that we have at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, even as in the 90s, the VSGA had you know, three or four employees. And to have 13 employees shows the growth in the association and, and the growth in what we're able to provide to member clubs and to golfers by having the staff to move forward programs or services such as the handicap system and, and course rating and the, and the one-day program, which I talked about. So um, I, I'm proud of what we're doing today. And when I think back to people like Wallace McDowell, who was the first executive director of the association and ran the association out of the trunk of his car, uh, when I think back to 
um, Clyde Luther and uh, from the volunteer side that was so impactful starting in the 70s, both with the VSGA and the USGA. You know, what, what motivates me is I don't want to let them down. They, they mm-hmm. worked so hard to get the ball rolling, and we've been fortunate to be able to pick it up and run with it and really want to just continue it on. For them and the past board members and volunteers and everyone that has been involved with the association, I think – you know, the 13 of us and the volunteer base we have right now, I think we have an obligation just to continue to to grow and move forward what they started. A question that people have asked us when we've posted on Instagram or social media, what questions would you like to see or topics would you like to see in the podcast? One that someone had asked was, how do we see ourselves carrying out the mission and service to golf every day through through what we do? How do you kind of explain that? So in my mind, and Kent touched on it a little bit and talks about a lot with the junior golf journey, and you know, our role is to kind of feed people's passion for the game. Um, you know, we're not staffed to put a club in people's hands, in the golfer's hands for the first time. PGA section does a wonderful job of that. PGA professionals around the state. You've got programs like the First Tee. There's lots of folks who are doing wonderful, wonderful jobs of uh, teaching folks how to hold the club and, and take the club back and, and those important things that we all learned when we first started. To me, um, we we want to have whatever stage of a golfer's journey they're in, I feel like we should have something there to help them deepen their love for the game and grow that passion for the game. You know, And things like youth on course in the junior golf circuit do it at the junior level, but then also talking about um, our one-day program or even something as simple as a handicap index, you mm-hmm. know, there's, your handicap can be as high as 54. So you don't have to be a good golfer to have a handicap index. It's something you can use to compete against yourself. Um, so it's messaging um, what we can offer to get folks from that first time that you tee it up, uh, that you're going to be posting a score to your handicap record. Or maybe you're nervous because you've never done that before and you don't know how it all works. Um, but that's a way to feed your passion all the way up to Lauren Greenleaf and Becca Denunzio and Evan Beck and Keith Decker, the best players, providing them the opportunity to compete at the highest level in the state against their their counterparts. You know, I think we have a role from from that from point A to point Z, and it mm-hmm. it really is uh, fulfilling to see all that we do. Um, and you know, sometimes it's a difficult question we ask ourselves: What is our role in growing the game? And we try to bring it up at you know, staff meetings occasionally and board meetings occasionally, because I think it's good to step back and, and reflect on who we are and, and what we're doing. But to me, it's let, let's find the gaps in, go, in the golfer's journey and let's try to see what we can do, either us doing it or supporting those who can do it uh, to fill that gap. That point of feeding the passion is one I've heard you make before that's always powerful because I feel like it better articulates anything that we can do as as individuals or as an association than just quote unquote grow the game it's, 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 it's sort of vague it's cliched and there's multiple different ways to grow the game but if we can feed the, your passion of what you have and when you look at it from all of the different levels of golf everyone wants to have sort of more of what they have or a little bit different you you, you take guys like tiger and some of these people who come out on tour you remember when tiger first came out on tour like there was there was tour which was great but then he's like let's make a bigger tour so we can compete bigger and better and more and more globally and 
when we're able to do that in Virginia, and like you said, provide those opportunities to the Keith Deckers and the Evan Becks and Beckas and Lawrence, um, that's special. And then provide that point at point A, with once they get the club in their hands to where we are now with youth on course. Talk a little bit about the youth on course journey, because this was something that's been um, sort of on the desks across the organization for a few years before we joined in 2021 and how we're at the right point now and, and where we're going with it. Super excited to partner with Youth on Course. We, we've kind of kept our eye on it and put it on the table for, I'll say a handful of years before we ever moved forward with it. We wanted to see kind of how it unfolded in other states. We wanted to get to the point where we felt like it was the right time for us to do it kind of in our uh, life cycle as an association with with things we had had going on um, so you know we were very calculated about it we we um, talked with lots of associations that that were already participating in the program talked with Carolinas multiple times and Georgia and Maryland kind of those those in our region um, but again felt like it got us closer to that first time that someone that a junior golfer had a club in their hand and they were kind of got far enough to where they were looking up and saying what's next mm -hmm. right um, and by us being able to use our relationships with our with our member clubs um, to um, identify those who it's a good fit for the for the course or the club to participate and you've obviously you've done an outstanding job with it and you've kind of led the way once we signed on and you've had lots of these conversations with the clubs but find the right courses that are fit and, and I think we're up to 35 to date and use our relationship to say um, this is how it works you know they, the, the kid will give you five dollars when they come in you tell us what you'd like to get to in total from that round and we'll pay the difference right so we're, we're using our relationship with both the clubs and then with the golfers to connect the two mm -hmm. um, and get the golfers access at an affordable rate and, and tell them hey it's not going to be any more than five dollars no matter and they don't have to go hunting hunting down rounds and figure out what it's going to cost and we're working hard to try to get a, a better spread around the state i know that's something you and i talk about all the time making yeah. sure that we have geographic representation we're getting there um it just it just makes sense again it gets us closer to that start of their journey you know my goal you know, in some ways, golf gets, a, especially junior golf, gets a little bit competitive sometimes. There's lots of junior tours, and people kind of take ownership of their tours, and they want to capture the junior golfers. At the end of the day, for me, if people are playing golf, that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want If people are lifelong golfers, that's, that's wonderful for the game of golf, and what's good for the game of golf is good for the Virginia State Golf Association and, and our member clubs and our allied associations. So um, it's just getting people – getting people playing golf and, you know, I have a nine-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter and I want them to be lifelong golfers. You know, do I want them to play on the LPGA Tour or the PGA Tour? Sure, that would be great. But I want to introduce them to the game so that they know enough about how to kind of swing the club and get it around and appreciate um, the game of golf so that they hopefully will be lifelong golfers. And I think that's, to me, that's everything we do is kind of just trying to, again, feed that passion to keep people playing golf for their entire life. And Youth on Course is a, is a perfect way to do that. And the timing was right for us. And I think we've, we're off to a great start. Yeah, the point that I'm on to now making with our Youth on Course members is trying to, trying to find a way to sort of articulate, like, don't let 
a five dollar round at a good course be the enemy of a you know of a round at your private course you can go out and enjoy a recreational round for five dollars at a course that you might not have otherwise played and it's going to test your game in a different way or you can just be completely relaxed and have a great time and the 41 year old self will thank the 16 year old self that you did that because as you sit here where you and i are now while this is fun playing golf is in a lot of cases more fun and so that's the point that I'm trying to make. And I would love to see our folks feel comfortable taking advantage of what they have with the youth on course membership. And with that, not just the 35 courses in Virginia, but 1400 plus courses across the country, which is what makes youth on course so amazing. It is. And, and that's a fact that I think uh, as, as our uh, youth on course members here in Virginia get to know the program better. And I've had conversations with a few and you say, Hey, listen, if you're going on vacation, you know, to South Carolina, there are youth on course participating courses down there. You have the same access to those. So it really is a, a nationwide program, uh, with a youth on course office being out of Northern California. Um, so it just a lot of excitement around it. You and I have exciting conversations mm-hmm. about it every day. And I think, you know, again, we're off to a good start and I'm really, really optimistic about the future of the program. It lends such an opportunity to bring more diversity to the game and more people to the game by lowering that barrier to access, which has always sort of been a thing for golf, which I think is exciting for a lot of us to see and to see new ideas and new personalities come into the game that are going to shape the way that we play it and experience it in the future. Um, Let's talk a little bit about our hikers and the enthusiasm that they've shown so far and how that's sort of made you feel. I know how it's made me feel. We talk about it uh, as well, but that enthusiasm that we have here in year one for for this hike. So, yeah, I'll use the word again. The passion that people have for golf amazes me every day. And it really, it motivates me to do my job to the best of my ability because People love the game of golf, and that shows itself through our programs every day through things like the one-day program. We started a player ranking program this year for one-day programs, for our one-day program, and it's gone gangbusters. And, you know, Courtney and Kirsten, the team that deals with with one-day players, it's amazing how much those people, you know, care about the the rankings and are following it. Um, as, As to the hike, same thing. The folks that we've engaged early on, the hikers, some of whom I know and some of whom I, I do not, uh, they've they've dove right in and they are they're using both their passion for the game and for junior golf and for making it more affordable and accessible, uh, and and their friends and family members uh, to raise funds and to get behind their efforts to hike. Um, so I've been floored to this point, and we're still you know just under a month away, I guess, or. Um, you know, getting closer to the hike, but there's still time to, to, to have more funds raised. But I've been floored with not only the, the folks who are, have been interested in hiking, but how interested they've been in sharing that message behind the hike. Yeah. And we would be remiss. I want to work towards our end here, but we would be remiss if we did not talk about Lonto Griffin and his involvement with Youth on Course. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Lonto and how this opportunity for partnership with Lonto as as an ambassador for Youth on Course in Virginia kind of came to be. Yeah, so Lonto is one of those people who makes me feel old and realize how long I've been with <laughs> the VSGA, and there seem to be more and more of those people every year. Um, so I've known Lonto since he was, I'm going to say, you know, 12 or 13 years old when he started playing in VSGA 
events and uh, remember him winning the long drive championship at the 2006 junior at Wintergreen and I was at the amateur in 2009 when he played in the finals against Brinson Palini and, and we always had a close relationship and I've really enjoyed watching his golf journey to where it is now and, and root for him each and every week so uh, when we uh, partnered with youth on course and we were you know kind of trying to get it off the ground we were really looking for ways to raise the awareness but then also kind of kind of kick off the fundraising aspect of the program which is so important uh, as we move forward so it was uh, january i'm gonna say and and i was working and i said you know what i'm just gonna let lonto know that we're we're doing this and so i texted him and said hey here's a little bit on this new program let me know if you have some time to talk and i'll tell you more about it and he texted me back and said call me right now so, you know, we talked that day and immediately it was, I want to be involved with this program. You know, access is such a big part of his golf story. Mm -hmm. So I think it has a special place in his heart. And he's had folks like Steve Prater have, who have been so impactful to him in that regard. I think that's why he really wants to get behind it. So the idea of the pledges at the four majors and the players was his idea. Um, and he stayed, you know, we would, we would, text after every event and he wanted to know how many folks were behind it and you know when we saw him in June at, at his AJGA event the first thing he said to me is you're probably upset with me because I didn't make enough birdies at the PGA championship so he he was thinking about it all summer long which hopefully it, you know hopefully that was a, a good thing I, at the times I was like I hope it's not I know throwing him off the game <laughs> at all but Lonto has been wonderful throughout um, you know he obviously made his pledges and helped us you know kind of message that to get additional pledges, but then even more so uh, message through his social media channel and his team has been great to work with to kind of help just spread the awareness of the program itself, which is a big goal of ours for this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really been special. It's been special to see the whole thing grow to where we are right now with the funds that we have raised, with the hikers that we have on board, the courses that we have participating, others that are working through how to make it work for either the remainder of this year or come on in 2022 and to see the youth membership grow of youth on course, mostly through the junior golf circuit right now, over 900 members in the junior golf circuit, other members through our standalone youth on course membership, over 1200 members in the Commonwealth that are youth on course members that can take advantage of those 35 courses at $5 or the other 1400 courses across the country. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't ask you that we didn't touch on? There's probably so much that we could talk about from arranging a, a, a van to go on a trip to Wintergreen or arranging the, the starters box at the first tee. Anything else that you want to share before we adjourn? No, um, I'll just say this. I'm excited about the 100-hole hike myself, uh, getting a little bit nervous. I think I told you I <laughs> yeah. woke up in the middle of the night the other night doing math in my head of how many minutes of daylight we had and what our average time per hole needed to be, and I think it's about seven minutes uh, that, that we have to stick to. So starting to think about the hike itself, I probably haven't played more than 27 holes since college, so um, – going to be going to add to my rounds played certainly this year but very excited to do it you know and and for me the motivating factor is Lonto Griffin and my my family that supported me and, and the other folks who have donated you know Tim Pemberton and William Mary Goff has been very supportive as well and 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 following along so my motivation is going to be not to let those people down and obviously not to let down the kids I want I want to do my part to help uh finish the hike and make sure we're those funds that are pledged uh, come and can support future junior golfers. Um, 
you know, maybe one other thing I'd say talking about the hike and, and golf is, you know, one misconception that we hear a lot about uh, staff on the VSGA is uh, how much golf we play. And I think and people who don't really know and just hear that you work for a golf association probably think you play golf every day. And, mm-hmm. and you and I know that's not true. Um, I, I think in some regards we – we don't play enough golf, and that's been something you know we've tried to encourage. We've got a lot going on, and the summertime is busy. But you know, um, we don't play very much golf. But I think we could play more golf, and I think by us playing golf, it helps us recognize when we get you know passionate phone calls. Some are, are passionate, good, and some are passionate, you know, unhappy sometimes. <laughs> why people are so passionate about the game, and, yeah. and I think it's good for us as as staff members to get out and play golf and kind of feel feel that passion ourselves and and see uh, what's going on at the courses so i'm excited to do a hundred hole hike and excited you know hopefully in the years ahead for us all to play a little bit more golf for the hike what strategies have you begun to work through in terms of how you're gonna manage your game manage your bag manage your comfort throughout the day oh gosh so you know i think it's going to be a few different pairs of shoes a few different pairs of socks uh, I'm look I do not have a Sunday bag so I'm trying to track one down years ago we did VSGA Sunday bags um, that was one of the first things I asked Josh Coates when I started I said do we have a Sunday bag he's like oh we did it years ago but we cleared it, cleaned out the warehouse I'm not sure if we do yep we we had them and I never got my hands on one so I don't have one so if there's anybody out there who has a VSGA Sunday bag I can borrow for the day that'd be great um thinking about what clubs to carry and I'm torn on the driver. So uh-huh. part of me wants to bring the driver because then I can hit it further and, and get, just get to walk further before I have to hit another shot. But then the other side of me knows if I hit the driver, I'm going to have to hunt for my ball more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have yet to decide on the driver. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to scout it out. Probably we'll carry, I don't know, five or six clubs and um, no practice swings for sure. And um, I'm excited. It's, it's a challenge. It's obviously something new for, for me and you and everyone yeah. else doing it here in Virginia, where other states have done the hike for a few years, it's new for us. So I think there's a lot of excitement, uh, a little bit of nerves, but I think it's going to be wonderful. And, and our heart's in the right place and the mission is wonderful. And, and at the end of the day, that's what matters most. Like so many things, it's the challenge of it that makes it makes it worth it and makes it fun and makes it nerve wracking and exciting. And, you know, every year we probably see dozens, if not hundreds of people participate in their first competitive event. And it's that challenge that makes it exciting that gets them the nerves and gets them to come back again. And so to now kind of open up and have a different type of golf challenge and to see the folks who have raised their hand to say, I want to participate in this is really exciting and really cool. It is, it is. And it's fun. One thing I've always said, I like, the reason I like starting at our championships is that's when folks are their most excited and most nervous. And I've always enjoy being there on the tee and, you know, again, trying to find a story from the past with someone or, or have an inside joke or if I haven't met them, introduce myself and talk, have a little small talk to kind of help them through that most nervous part of their day before they hit their first tee shot. So um, looking forward to our conversation before we hit our first shot in the hike and hopefully that'll, that'll settle me in as well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thanks so much, Matt. We appreciate you joining us and thanks for all that you do for the VSGA and for golfers in Virginia. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to everyone who supported the 100-hole hike and youth on course this year, including Matt Smiley for his support of our staff efforts. 
The 2021 season is coming to an end, so be on the lookout for ways to renew your VSGA membership in 2022 or visit your VSGA member club and make sure they renew you in the new year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.